chapter 15. <clears throat> John chapter 15. And we've been doing uh, spiritual disciplines for the last uh, number of months, really. And we're just going systematically through them. And we've covered things like forgiveness and repentance and um, quiet times and prayer and different things. And last week we talked about self-esteem. And self-esteem actually is a very big one. Uh, because a lot of people suffer from low self-esteem. But we talked about last week where we actually get our, our self-esteem from is actually from the Word of God. And we allow the Word of God to tell us who we are in Christ. And when the Word of God tells us who we are, we need to believe who God says. Amen. And um, we're going to talk about fruitfulness tonight. But look with me first in John chapter 15. I suppose I better turn there myself. Hallelujah. John chapter 15. Look with me here in verse 16. He says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it unto you. And Jesus here said, you haven't chosen me. He said, I've chosen you. And then he says, I ordained you that you should bear fruit. I ordained you that you should bear fruit. In other words, when God chose us, he chose us with a plan in mind. And we talked about that, uh, I don't know, was it last week or the week before, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. The scripture says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And you know, the very fact that God has chosen us, he's got something specific for each and every one of us. Now let me just say this. God has a plan and purpose for every single person's life. And we, we get our hang-ups and all the rest of it because we've got low self-esteem and we think that we can't do things. But here's the key. Whenever God calls us to do something, he equips us to do what he's called us to do. He gives us the ability. He gives us the empowerment. He gives us the enablement. And we have the ability to do it. The scripture says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. God already gives us. When he gives us the calling, he gives us the ability to carry out the calling. And what happens with us is because of low self-esteem, we don't understand who we are in God, but we've got to start seeing ourselves as God sees us. He has anointed and appointed each and every one of us to bear fruit in a certain arena. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, actually, that there's something that God has called you to do that only you can do. Something that's specific to you. Something that's unique to you. And the reality of that is, is because if, if it wasn't specific to you or unique to you, why would he call you in the first place? He called you with a reason, he call, or for a reason. He called you with a purpose, and that purpose is because he's got something specific for you to do. And he's equipped you, he's enabled you to do it, but we need to learn who we are in Christ. We need to learn to see ourselves as God sees us. Amen. And so he says here that, that um, he says, he has chosen us. And, you know, we talked about that, actually, the very fact that we are all handpicked. We are handpicked. God chose you specifically. The Bible says that our very names are even written on the palm of his hands. He has chosen us specifically. And God chose you with a purpose. And he, when he was looking at different things that he wanted done, when he was looking at um, different you know, things that he wanted done in the kingdom, maybe people reached or, or, or maybe someone to teach or someone to preach or someone to teach Sunday school or whatever it is, God was looking at that task that he needed done. He goes, you know who's the right person for that? You're the right person for that job. You're the right person for that job. And he called us with a purpose. Amen. And so he said he has chosen us, ordained us, that we should go and bring forth fruit, and that our fruit should remain. That whatsoever we ask of the Father, in his name, he may give it unto us. And so we're chosen to bear fruit. 
And we talked about last week, we were talking about self-esteem, and we talked about different people in the Bible, um, how God called them with a purpose. And everyone that God called, when we look back at them and we see them in their weaknesses, we see them in their frailties, but we see them also how God saw them. For example, we talked about uh, Simon Peter. And Simon means a reed. A reed, you know, a reed that blows in the wind. And his name means reed, but Jesus called him rock. And you see, Peter, from his own perspective, Peter, from his own self-esteem, in a sense, probably thought that he was weak. He probably thought that he was, you know, easily moved and all the rest of it. But Jesus said, no, you're a rock. And what actually happened with Peter, within a three-year period, uh, Peter went from being a reed. And we look at him through the scriptures. We looked at him as he walked with Jesus. And, you know, we often say about Peter that he only ever opened his mouth to change feet. But, you know, when, when Jesus was finished with Peter, Peter became a rock. And Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he preached to these people and 5,000 people got saved. And a couple of days later, 3,000 people got saved. And you know, Peter became the man that God called him to be. And whenever God calls us, he calls us with a purpose and he sets a bar for us and he wants us to reach that bar. Amen. And we look at different people in the scriptures. And we talked about Peter last week. In actual fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7, I'll just read it to you here. And This is the story where um, Samuel the prophet went down to anoint a new king. And God said in chapter 16 that he had rejected Saul as king. And he says, go down to the house of Jesse, and I'm going to anoint a king from the house of Jesse. And then Samuel walks in, and the very first person he sees is Eliab. And he goes, wow, there's a king if ever I saw one. And he goes to lay hands on him. And God says, hold on a minute. I didn't tell you to do that. So he goes to the next guy, I'm going to lay hands on him then. He goes, no, don't touch him either. I haven't called him either. But you know what he said? He said here, let me just read it to you actually. He says, the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh on the heart. And you see, what we do so often is we judge on the outward appearance. And God says, I'm not even looking at the outward appearance. I'm looking on the heart. And you see, what happens is we, we might write ourselves off. Other people might write us off. But you know what? God sees the heart. And God says, there's somebody that I can use. There's somebody that I have a plan for, that I have a calling for. Someone that I can anoint to do what I've called them to do. And God doesn't look on the outward. And on the outward, we might be weak, we might be frail, we might be, you know, have all these different hang-ups going on, and God's going, I'm not even looking at those. And what he does is he calls us with a purpose, and even though Peter was just a reed, God says, no, you're a rock. No, you're a rock. We talked about Abram, and Abram, um, his name meant high father, we know he was believing for a child. And God says, no, no, your name is Abraham, father of a multitude. And even though the scripture says of Abraham, Abraham considered his body, um, he considered not his body being now dead, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. In other words, when he looked in the natural, he looked in the natural and goes, ain't no way this is happening. But you know what he decided he was going to do instead? I'm going to believe what God says. And when he believed what God says, he became the father of a multitude. Then we look at, we talked about Jacob, and Jacob's name means supplanter. And Jacob was a deceiver, and because of his deceptions and, and how he treated his family, he was on the run, and, and um, his brother said to him, tell you what, see when dad dies, you're dead. <laughs> he said, I'm off, I'm out of here. And so he, he ran uh, uh, heading for Haran, heading down to um, um, his, his uncle's house. 
And as he was going down there, he had an encounter with God. And God changed his name from supplanter to victorious with God. Israel, victorious with God. And God seen him as victorious, and God called him victorious. Was he victorious at the time? No, he was still a deceiver, per se. But you know what? He became victorious with God. And we look at all these different people. Actually, another one was Gideon. Remember the story of Gideon? And Gideon was down hiding in the wine press. And he was threshing out the grain, and he was hiding from the Midianites. And the Midianites kept coming in and stealing all the food. And, and the angel of God shows up and says to Gideon, Hail thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon looks around and goes, Who? Who are you talking to? <laughs> I'm the one hiding in the bottom of the wine press. And he starts to give all these excuses. You know, we're the weakest tribe in Israel. My father's family is the weakest family in the tribe. And I'm the runt of the litter. I'm not just in the barrel and the bottom of the barrel. I'm under the barrel. And God said, no, you're a mighty man of valor. And you know what happened? He became a mighty man of valor. And he delivered the children of Israel out of the hand of the Midianites. And actually drove the Midianites out of the land. And you see, what we do so often is we look at ourselves in the natural, and God has a calling on us, he has a plan, he has a purpose for our lives, and he wants us to stretch for that thing that he has called us for. And if God has called you something, firstly, don't let anyone else tell you that you can't, that you shouldn't, that you couldn't, and don't be telling yourself that you can't either, because you can. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. God is the one who enables us to do what he has called us to do. Amen. So we need to free ourselves from our negative thinking and our negative programming. And that's one of, the, one of the major problems in Christianity, really, is our negative thinking and our negative programming. And we get to the stage quite often where we have the poor me's. Anyone ever get the poor me's? And I can't do anything, and I'm no good, and nothing ever works for me. But we've got to get rid of that mentality. If we want to be the, pizza, the people or the person that God has called us to be, we've got to get rid of the negative programming. We've got to start to see ourselves as God sees us. And that's why, and you will hear this quite often, where we quote verses like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My God supplies all of my need according to his riches by glory in Christ Jesus. And what we actually do is we begin to confess about ourselves and we begin to say about ourselves what he said. Because it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't actually matter what your neighbor thinks. All that matters is what he thinks. And if he says you're well able, then you're well able. And we've got to reprogram our thinking to what he said. Because we're never going to walk in the calling of God for our life. You know, if God says to you, you know, you're going to be the next great teacher. You're going to be the next great preacher. You're going to be the next great evangelist. If you look at yourself in the natural, you will go, not me. Have you seen me? This This is never going to happen. But instead, what we need to do is we need to agree with him. We need to agree with what God says. We need to say about ourselves what God says. And we often quote that verse over in Amos chapter 3 and verse 3. It says, can two walk together except to be agreed? And God is wanting us to walk together with him. He's got a plan. He's got a calling. He's got a purpose. And he's saying, if you'll just walk with me, if you'll just believe the things that I say about you, you will get there. You will reach your destiny, your destination. Amen. Hallelujah. So we've got to get rid of the negative programming. Amen. And so he brought us into this relationship with Jesus so that we might produce fruit in our lives. The same fruitfulness that Jesus produced in his life. Amen. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. And it's only as we begin to recognize who we are in Christ and appreciate what that means for us in our daily lives. What does that mean for us daily? Um, That we'll be able to bring forth the fruits of righteousness, of love and of power. Look with me here in John chapter 15 again. And look with me in verse 5. John chapter 15 and verse 5. Jesus said here, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. 
He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. And Jesus here, firstly, he says that he is the vine and we are the branches. And you know what's interesting about that is the life that's in the branches doesn't come from the branches. Anybody know where the life comes from? It comes from the vine. It's actually the vine that produces the life. Where does the fruit come from? The fruit doesn't come from the branches per se. It's the life flowing through the vine that flows into the branches that produces the fruit. And I don't know, maybe this is just me, but I don't know if any of you have ever walked past a fruit tree and you heard the fruit tree groaning trying to produce fruit. Anyone ever heard that? It's really strong. Trying to produce, you don't hear it, do you? Because what happens is the life flows up through the vine, it flows into the branches, and you know what the branches do? They produce fruit automatically. It produces fruit automatically. In other words, for us, we need to be plugged into Christ. We need to listen to the Word of God. We need to allow the Word of God to change us, allow the Word of God to develop our mentality and how we think and how we perceive ourselves. And as we begin to do that, the life of Jesus will begin to flow through our lives and we will produce fruit automatically. And the fruit will start to come. Amen. And so we need to be plugged into Jesus so he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth, and that word abideth um, means, it means to live, but it means more than that. You know, um, we you used to talk about years ago, where's your abode? In other words, where do you live? Where's, where have you put down roots? Where's your house? Where do you come from? And when it talks here about abiding in Jesus, it's actually talking about us putting down roots in Jesus. This is where we live continually. This is not a casual visit. This is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, he who abides in me, he who abides in me will bring forth much fruit. And then he says, without me you can do nothing. And we understand that unless we're plugged into the vine, we'll not produce fruit. Many of you understand that concept. He talks about a little bit later, he says if the branches cut off of the vine, what the branches actually do is they just die and wither. They don't produce anything. And so it's vital that we are connected to the vine. It's vital that we are connected to our source. But when we stay connected to Jesus, he says you will bear much fruit. Not just fruit, but much fruit. Amen. Verse 6, he says, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gathered them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. And so he says that we've got to stay connected to him. Amen. That he's, our, he's our life source. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. You know what brings glory to God, he says here. He says, herein is my Father glorified. This is what glorifies my Father. It's when you begin to bear fruit. How do we begin to bear fruit? What do we need to do? We need to stay plugged into Jesus. But here's the thing. If we're going to be plugged into Jesus, we need to allow Jesus, we need to allow the Word of God to tell us who we are. We need to allow the Word of God to tell us that, you know, that we are well able, that we're overcomers, that we can do all things through Christ, that we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Because when we begin to realize who we are in Christ, when we begin to realize what's available to us, what actually happens is we begin to walk in confidence. All that old negativity, all that low self-esteem, all that negative programming begins to fall off and we begin to realize, you know, I can do this, not because of me, but because of who's in me, because the power of God flowing through me, because of the call of God that's on my life, because of the anointing that's on my life, and as that anointing begins to flow out, we'll begin to fulfill the callings of God on our lives, and we'll begin to bear fruit. Amen. And so, 
We need to stay connected to Jesus, but we need to allow Jesus to tell us who we are. Amen. Sometimes our, our lack of fruitfulness is, is caused because sometimes we compartmentalize our lives. And what we do sometimes is we have different areas of our lives. We put them in different compartments and we have, this is the spiritual uh, area and this is the worldly area and this is my work area and this is my family area and we've compartmentalized our lives into sections and we've, what we've actually done is we've got a spiritual area where you know we go to church on Sunday and maybe we get some of us come out on Wednesday night and that's our spiritual area but we don't allow the spiritual area to influence every other part of our life because everything we do the Bible says whether in word or in deed everything we do we do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and if we want to be fruitful people we've got to allow um, the, the power of God, we've got to allow the anointing of God, we've got to a- allow the calling of God to influence every single arena of our life. That means what we watch on TV, that means what we look at on the internet, that means what the people that we hang around with, that means the places that we go, every single bit of it has to be influenced by who we are in Christ. And the things that we say actually as well. All needs to be we don't need to compartmentalize our lives. What we need to do is allow the grace of God to flow through everything that we do. Amen. And so we tend to label certain things as spiritual, associate them with growth and maturity as a Christian. But in the same time, at the same time, we leave huge areas of our lives that are undisciplined. Amen. And the result is that we waste a great deal of time and energy over things that are of little importance or of little consequence. And God has called us to be fruitful in every area of our lives. And you know, this, when we begin to produce fruit, it becomes a great source of blessing to many people. But you know what it does as well? It becomes a great joy to your own life. It becomes a great joy to your own life. And you know, one of the worst things that you can do, one of the most miserable places to live as a Christian is to live in a place where we spend half of our lives pleasing God and half of our lives pleasing ourselves. Because what we end up doing is, is um, it just makes us miserable. Because we've got one foot in the world and we've got one foot in the kingdom and we're trying to please the kingdom and we're trying to please the world and we just end up miserable. I did that for years as a young Christian. I did that for years and I was one of the most miserable Christians on the planet until I realized that what I was supposed to be doing is allowing the grace of God to flow through every area of my life. Amen. And so don't compartmentalize your life. So there's great spiritual satisfaction that comes from being fruitful and, and, and having a productive life. Amen. I want to talk for a few minutes about five areas of fruitfulness. Five areas of fruitfulness. Look with me in the book of Galatians, chapter 5. Galatians, chapter 5. Let me just say this. Um, some of you I know take notes and all the rest of it. But let me just say this to you. When we read some of these scriptures, um, sometimes we have the tendency to gloss over scriptures and, and not take them to heart. But we're going to look at some things where God is looking for us to produce fruit in our lives. And don't just gloss over them. We need to take time. And as we read through some of these, we need to ask ourselves, firstly, am I bearing that fruit in my life? And if the answer is yes, then that's good. Let's develop more of that fruit. But if the answer is no, don't get upset, don't get embarrassed, don't get... You know what you need to do? Just say, this is the one I need to work on. I need to work on this because I need to see fruit in this area of my life. Amen. So Galatians chapter 5 here, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Look at me here in verse 22. 
Sorry, I'm in Ephesians. Let me get back to Galatians here. Galatians 5 and verse 22. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Long-suffering is patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance or self-control. Against such there is no law. And you see here he's telling us here about the, the fruit of the Spirit. And he tells us that the fruit of the Spirit, there's nine of them here. He says love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith. Or The word faith there is actually faithfulness. Not faith as in we have faith, it's faithfulness. Meekness, temperance. And against such there is no law. Do we have these fruit manifesting themselves in our, in our lives? And I'm sure for most of us we can identify some of them and say, yeah, those fruits are working really, really well in my life. But maybe there's some of those that aren't working so well in our life. And these are things that we need to work on. We need to, to begin to produce fruit in these arenas. Amen. Are we walking in love? Are we walking in joy? Are we walking in peace? Are we walking in patience? Are we kind to people? Do we um, uh, suffer long with them? Amen. The next one here is um, a fruitful mind. Look with me in, in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Look with me here in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. He says, Finally, brethren... Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. You see, this again goes back to um, our negative programming, doesn't it? goes back again to um, our low self-esteem. But what he says here, listen to what he says again. He says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there are any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Notice he doesn't mention negativity in there anywhere. Doesn't mention, you know, low self-esteem. Doesn't mention the things that other people think about us or say about us. And what he's talking about here is actually renewing our minds with the word of God. And you see, that's a, that's a spiritual fruit. And that's a sign of growth. And that's a sign of maturity in people's lives. And let me just say this to you, and, and I've shared this with you before. That Martin Luther used to say this. He used to say, you can't stop the birds flying over your head, but you can't stop them building a nest in your hair. In other words, you know, negative thoughts will come, but you don't have to allow them to stay. And as when a negative thought comes in, just let it out straight out the other side. And the Bible says, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are praiseworthy, of a good report. These are the things we're supposed to be thinking about. In other words, when the negative thoughts come, you need to replace them with positive thoughts. Think about the things that God says about you. You know, God says that I'm loved with an everlasting love. 
You know that the Bible says that God has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Do you know God says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Do you know that God says I am more than a conqueror? That God causes me always to walk in triumph? And these are good things. These are positive things. These are things that are praiseworthy and have a good report. And we need to replace our negative thinking with positive thinking. Do you understand? And when I say positive thinking, I'm not talking about that new age stuff. I'm talking about what the word of God says about us. And God says that we're blessed. And God says we're overcomers. And God says really that he has our back and no weapon fashioned against us shall prosper. And there's times that we need to just go back and meditate on these things. Amen. Verse 9. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. And so he's telling us here that, you know... Um, we need to go back and, and look at these things. We need to see these things in operation. We need to speak these things over our lives. Amen. And when we do that, he says, that's how you know that you're, you're growing, you're being fruitful. Replacing the negative thoughts with positive thoughts. And let me just say this, and it's not easy. It's not easy, but it is possible. And the thing about it is, the more you do it, the easier it becomes. But you've got to start somewhere. You've got to start and when the negative thoughts come, arrest the thought, stop the thought and say, you know what, I'm not going to meditate on that. I'm going to start thinking about things that are good and praiseworthy and honest and of a good report. Amen. Um, look with me in uh, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Look with me here in verse 5. It says, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It says in my Bible it is enmity against God, but basically the carnal mind is the enemy of God. The carnal mind is the enemy of God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And he's talking here about the difference between carnally minded and spiritually minded. And the word carnal there is the word sarx, it just means of the flesh, flesh minded. And he's talking about here that the mind of the flesh is the enemy of God. Does anybody know why the mind of the flesh is the enemy of God? Does anybody know why it is? because your mind's not renewed, but because what you're doing is, is you're not thinking the things of the Spirit. Because what you're actually doing is, you're, again, you're still looking at yourself in the natural. I'm no good, I can't, I'm not able, you know, nothing ever works for me, and have you seen where I came from, and all this kind of stuff. And that's all flesh stuff. And he says the carnal mind is the enemy of God. You're never going to produce the fruit of God while you keep being carnally minded. He says you're going to have to be spiritually minded. And what is spiritually minded? It goes back to what we said. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of a good report. Think on these things. And how many of you know that just from your own life? That when you think on negative things, what happens? You just... You get negative and you get down and you get discouraged and you get unhappy and you get disgruntled and you get depressed and you get all those different things. Do you know why? Because it's the enemy of God. And God says you've got to start thinking spiritually minded. You've got to start saying about yourself what I said about you. And when you, when you start to do that, the Bible says that's being fruitful. 
in the things of God. That's growing in the things of God. Amen. Many of you want to grow in the things of God. We want to retrain our thinking. Ephesians chapter 4. Actually, before you go on your way to Ephesians 4, stop off at Romans 12. It's going the right direction. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He says, Do not be conformed to this world. And the word conformed means to form according to a pattern. In other words, the world has a pattern that it tries to mold you into, it tries to squeeze you into. But he says, Don't go by the world's pattern. And you know, the world is full of negativity, isn't it? It's all full of negativity. He says, don't be uh, sucked in by the world's pattern. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Or renewing your mind brings transformation. Renew our minds with what? Well, we need to renew our minds from all that negative program and all that negativity, all that low self-esteem, all that stuff. We need to renew our minds from that. We need to think about who God says we are. But I want you to notice what he says next, because this is the important bit. He says that we need to... um, be transformed by the renewing of our mind, then you will be able to prove what is that good and pleasing and acceptable will of God. And you see, we only know what that good, pleasing and acceptable will of God is when we begin to renew our minds. Because the carnal mind is the enemy of God. And when we stay back there with that negative program and negative thinking, we'll never achieve the purpose that God has for us. And God is saying, if you want to achieve the purpose that I have for your life, the first thing that needs to change is your stinking thinking. Begin to get rid of that carnal thinking, that fleshly thinking, that negative programming, that low self-esteem. And begin to see yourself as I see you. And as you begin to see yourself, then you will be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for your life. Growing in the things of God. Being fruitful in the things of God. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4 here and in verse 22. Ephesians 4 and verse 22. He says that you put off concerning the former conversation. It says conversation in King James. It's actually lifestyle. Put off concerning your former lifestyle, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. He says put off the old man. Put off the old man. When he's talking about putting off the old man, he's actually talking again about putting off the flesh. Putting off that negative programming. Putting off maybe all the sinful lifestyle, the sinful practices, and all the different things that you used to do. He says, just put that off. Stop doing that. Stop thinking that way. Stop meditating on those things. He says, put off the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. See, again, he talks about renewing your mind. Uh, just a whole different way of thinking. And then in verse 24, he says, You put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And you know, when we look at our new man, the Bible talks about, you know, Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. It says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. It says, All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. 
In verse 21 it says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of Almighty God. And so our new man, the Bible says, is created in righteousness and true holiness. And he says what we need to do is put off the old man, put off that sinful man, that sinful thinking, that that, uh, negative programming, put that off and put on the new man, be renewed in your mind and begin to speak about yourself how God sees you. And God sees us as pure. He sees us as holy. He sees us as sanctified. He has called us with a purpose. He has called us to fruitfulness. He's got a plan and a purpose for our life, but we'll never achieve it unless we begin to see ourselves the way he sees us. So he says, put off the old man and begin to put on the new man. Begin to see yourself that way. And you know, sometimes you're, you're, you're there and I've told you this story before. When we were in, um, we were in Texas one time and um, Pastor Mark Hankins, um, he was telling a story about um, he was standing for his healing and he sneezed. And somebody said to him, you have a cold. He said, no, don't. He says, you do, you have a cold. We've seen you sneezing. He goes, no, I'm the healed. He says, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. And the guy says, you're just putting that on. He said, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm putting it on. <laughs> putting on my new man. <laughs> putting on my new man. Just putting it on. I'm the healed. I'm an overcomer. No plague shall come near my dwelling. Amen. Put on the new man, which after God is created in true righteousness and true holiness. I wonder how many of you here, I wonder how many of you find it difficult to say that you're righteous and that you're holy. Anybody here find it difficult to say that? Hmm? Few people. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that about us. The Bible says that we're righteous and that we're holy. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from our sin, uh, or to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, if you're cleansed from all unrighteousness, what does that make you? Righteous. Righteous. And you see, we're afraid to say it about ourselves, but you see, what we're doing is we're saying what he said. And he said you're righteous, and he said you're holy, and he said you're able, and he said you're an overcomer. Many of you want to argue with God and say, no, God, you're wrong. (laughs) Not very wise, is it? Yeah, ask Job, yeah, he did it. (laughs) Job did it, said, made 75 statements against God. God just showed up and asked him one question, and Job said, I put my hand over my mouth, I repent in sackcloth and ashes. (laughs) So if you don't want God to show up, (laughs) just say about yourself what he says. Amen. If he says you're blessed, say you're blessed. If he says you're an overcomer, say you're an overcomer. But here's the thing. We need to begin to renew our minds with the word of God. We need to say about ourselves what God says. And you know, when we begin to do that, the Bible calls that being fruitful. We're actually beginning to produce fruit. Because what we're actually doing is... We're leaving that old man, we're leaving that old life, we're leaving all those old hang-ups, we're leaving all that stuff behind, and we're beginning to walk according to this new life in Christ. And as we begin to walk according to this new life in Christ, and saying the things about us that God says about us, we begin to start to produce fruit. And as we start to produce fruit, God begins to reveal his plan and his purpose for us, and we begin to walk in the callings of God for our lives, and that's where we see the most fruit. Amen. Fruitful. When do we want to be fruitful? We need to renew our minds. Amen. We need to develop the fruit of the Holy Spirit. 
Look with me in Colossians chapter 1. We talked about manifesting the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We talked about a fruitful mind. I want to talk for a minute about fruitfulness in our actions. Colossians chapter 1. In Colossians chapter 1 here, and look with me in verse 10. He says here in verse 10 that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And many of you know, as we read that verse, that's talking to every area. It's talking about every aspect of our life. It's not just talking about one arena. He's talking about walking worthy of the Lord. Or walking in, um, in a manner that's pleasing to him. Walking in a manner that's pleasing to him. And that deals a lot with our actions. That deals a lot with the things that we do and the things that we say and the places that we go and the people that we encounter. Are we walking worthy of the Lord? Are we walking in a way that's pleasing to him? Now if we're not, there's repentance for that. But he doesn't want us to go from repentance to repentance per se. He wants us to begin to change our life, begin to line up with him and walk um, worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. And then he says, being fruitful in every good work. You see, everything that we do, God wants us to produce fruit in. Everything that we do, he wants us to produce fruit in. And then he wants us to increase in the knowledge of God. Are we increasing in the knowledge of God? Are we increasing in the knowledge of God? And that's not just about head knowledge. Because we can get a whole lot of head knowledge, but has it actually changed our heart? Let me just say this to you, actually. You know, just because, you know, sometimes we've got to get real with some of these things. Because, you know, we, we teach lessons here, and we teach uh, series, and we teach different things. How many of you have heard me several times, even in the last year, Talk about our low self-esteem. None of you. Wow. That means you weren't listening. Because I've preached on it at least three times in the last year. At least three times in the last year. And the reality of it is, what happens sometimes is you preach something. And I actually did this last week when we talked about low self-esteem. I said, how many of you here suffer from low self-esteem? And a lot of people put their hand up. And what's actually happened is, is that we haven't produced fruit in that arena since the last time we heard it. And what happens is, you know, you go and preach a message on self-esteem and the first thing comes up in your head, you preached that six months ago. Yeah, but here's the key. Have you produced fruit in that arena? Have you progressed in that arena? Are you able to say, well, I don't have, my self-esteem is not as bad as it was six months ago. Well, at least <laughs> that's a good thing, isn't it? You understand? And you see, we have this mentality, and, and this, this is awful for, a, for a, a pastor and for a preacher. This is awful. It's awful that you pull out your best message, per se, and you preach it. And then, you know, six months down the line, you go, I need to preach this again. And people go, I heard that before. And you're going, yeah, you heard it before, but you didn't do it. Because you haven't changed, because you haven't produced fruit. And I can't preach that anymore, because if I preach it again, you're going to go, hey, there you go, preaching that again. But the reality of it is we need to change. If we changed, we wouldn't have to preach it again. We just go on to the next thing. <laughs> do you understand? 
we need to produce fruit in some of these arenas. We need to get rid of that negative thinking, get rid of that low self-esteem. And this one here we we're talking about is that we might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. And we're talking about here growing in the knowledge of God. It's not about, you know, every time you preach a sermon that you're able to go, I heard that before. Growing in the knowledge of God is, I heard that before and I'm doing it and I don't need to hear it again because I'm already, I'm already there. Do you understand? And if you're all able to shout at me, don't preach self-esteem, we're all, we're great. We're <laughs> That'd be a good one, wouldn't it? Say, right, we'll go on to something else then. Um, First Peter chapter 3. <clears throat> First Peter chapter 3. It says here in First Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. It says, for he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. That's a real interesting one, isn't it? Because what he's actually talking about here is controlling our tongue and controlling the things that we say. You know what's amazing about this verse? Because, you know... The first phrase here is, he that will love life. How many of you want to love life? How many of you want to love life? Well, he tells you how to do it. And then he says, he that would see good days. And that means live a long life. How many of you here want to live a long life? Well, he tells you how to do it. Listen to what he says. If you want to love life, if you want to see good days, then you need to refrain your tongue from evil and your lips that they speak no guile. And guile really is, is falsehood. Speaking against people, telling lies and stuff like that. And this is the, the outworking of the Spirit in our life. This is the outworking of a fruitful life. And there's a promise attached to cleaning up your speech, cleaning up the way you talk. There's a promise attached to it. The promise that's attached to it is, firstly, um, you will, you will uh, live long. And secondly, you'll enjoy life. I mean, I don't know how you put the two of them together, but this is what he said. He said, if you want to live a good life and live a long life, then you need to clean up the way you talk. This is something that we should be doing. And let me just say this. Anyone can make a mistake. We're not talking about making a mistake. You mean you drop a cement block on your foot, you know, we'll understand if something came out. We prefer if it didn't, but we can understand it. (laughs) You understand? (laughs) So we're not talking about that. But just in our general speech, in our general speech, it needs to be cleaned up. Do you understand? Talking negative about people and and different things, negative stuff coming out of our mouth. Amen. Moving swiftly along. (laughs) Look with me in uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, seeing as you're close by. Um, Faithfulness in the gifts, or fruitfulness rather in the gifts. 1 Peter chapter 4, look with me in verse 10. It says, as every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And he's talking here about the gifts. And what he's actually telling us here is that when God gifts us with something, the gift is always for other people. God doesn't give you the gift for yourself. He gives it to you so you can be a blessing to other people. 
And let me just share this with you because it's amazing how we get um, the mentality sometimes. And um, I wasn't saved that long. I was only saved a few months. And I remember God giving me, giving me a revelation of something. And God gave me, it was a powerful, I don't even remember what it was, but it was a powerful revelation to me at the time. And I was going, wow, that's amazing. God's just revealed that to me. And my, my attitude was, I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm going to keep that for myself. Because that's just for me. And you know what God said to me? He said, if you don't share it, I'll never give you another one. Now I'm share as many as I can so you give me loads more. <laughs> Do you understand? Because we think sometimes that God gives us a gift for ourselves. But the scripture here says that every gift that's been given to us is not for our benefit, it's for everybody else's benefit. You see, every single one of us are gifted in whatever arena that God has gifted us in. But the thing about it is we need to start sharing our gift in a sense with other people. Start ministering to other people. Start helping other people. Whatever it is that God has gifted us with, we need to go and use it and be a benefit to the body of Christ. Because every one of us receive from each other and every one of us give to each other. And the Bible says every joint supplying what the body needs. Every joint supplying what the body needs. Amen. Look with me in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 here, he just mentions some of the gifts, um, beginning in verse 4. It says, For as we have many members in one body, and all the members have not the same office. You know, I'm glad that all the members don't have the same office. But you know, one of the things that you find so often in church is that you find, you know, people always want to have a certain office. And you, you know, we all want to be the preacher. Well, he said, we don't all have the same gift. I'm telling you, you see, if every single one of us here were the preacher, we'd get bored real quick. Oh, it's my turn now. I want to have a go. He doesn't give us all the same gift. He gives us all different gifts. He, the scripture says, actually, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14, he gives us gifts differing. Different gifts. Because if we all had the same gift, that would get real bored real quick. If every single one of us here prophesied, and we just take it in turns, right? It was my turn. I'm going to prophesy to you. And say exactly the same thing as the person before said to you. And the same person before said to you. And the person before said to you. This is boring. <laughs> and so he gives us all different gifts. Amen. And what happens sometimes is we all want to have a particular gift. I wish I was the prophet. And I wish I was the teacher. Well, you know, maybe God hasn't gifted you in that arena and you need to go and find the gift that he has given you and use that to minister to the body of Christ. Amen. So, as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members of one of another. And that's an interesting thing too here, because we're all members one of another. We're all part of each other. And, you know, I shared with you here um, last week, I think it was, about, um, you know, if you look at the body, and he says we're all members of the body and we're all part of each other. And, you know, we, we look at people sometimes and we think that particular gifts are less. You know, um, well, you're not as good as me and I'm not as good as them. And we, we tend to think that way. But how many of you here, how many of you here know what the little finger on your left hand is for? What did God put that there for? I don't know what use it is. I, I, don't think, I don't know if I've ever even used it. But how many of you like to have it cut off? 
So why? She'll never use it. So what use is it? <laughs> but you'd miss it if it was gone, wouldn't you? We don't know what it's for. I don't, I don't know if I've ever used it, but I'd miss it if it was gone. <laughs> and you see, we have this mentality sometimes where we think that people are not necessary and they're not important, and we might think to ourselves, I don't know what your function is, and I don't know why God put you here, but the reality of it is we'd miss you if you were gone. Because we need you. Because you're part of the body. What about the little, the little toe on your left foot? What about if we took that off? <laughs> You'd miss it, wouldn't you? Because we're all members of the body. And whether we realize it or not, every part is supplying something. And we're all members one of another. And God has placed us all in the body as it pleased him. And we've all got a function and we've all got a purpose. And we would miss you if you weren't here. Amen. Um, verse 6. Having then gifts differing. See, he mentions again the gifts differing. All different gifts. According to the grace that is given unto us. And the grace has been given unto every one of us. He said, if it's prophecy, then let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. If it's ministry, let us wait on our ministering. And that word ministry there is actually serving. Some of us are called to prophesy. Some of us are called to serve. And he said, if you're called to serve, then serve. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. And that's the gift of encouragement. And you know, one of the things that's vitally important in the move of God is people who are encouragers. People who encourage others. And let me just say this to you while we're, while we're on the subject. If you find somebody who's an encourager, always encourage them. Don't ever put them down. Because you see, if we ever lose the encourager in the church, who's going to encourage everybody? Who's going to keep everybody encouraged? And if ever you find somebody who's an encourager, make sure you encourage them. Because if you lose them, the, you know, everything goes down, if you like. Do you understand? Um, on ex- uh, he who exhorteth um, on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. And you know, giving is actually a gift. There's people who are gifted to give. And givers sometimes are the most misunderstood sometimes people in the body and sometimes they're the most abused members of the body. People like to abuse givers because when they find out that somebody is a giver, they want to hang around them all the time because they want them to give to them. Don't do that. Because that's a, a precious gift that God has put in the body of Christ and he's put it in for a purpose. And we don't need to do that. Amen. Um. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor preferring one another. Be kindly affectioned to one another. In other words, you're supposed to be affectionate with each other. That means we're not supposed to be rebuking each other. We're not supposed to be saying nasty things to each other. We're not supposed to be picking on each other. We're supposed to be kindly affectionate to one another. And you know, one of the sad things that happens sometimes is sometimes Christians can be the most cutting people. But that's not, that's not a fruit of the Spirit. That's not a fruit of the Spirit. He says, be kindly affectioned one to another. Amen. So he wants us to bear fruit. Um, in, in, in our giftings and interactions. 
And then finally for tonight, uh, fruitfulness in fellowship. Look with me in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Just one more scripture after this one. Hebrews chapter 10. Look with me here in verse 24. I think I need to read this from a different translation, actually. (laughs) Has anyone got a different translation? Scripture here says, Let us consider one another to provoke one another. We're not supposed to provoke each other. (laughs) That means to encourage each other. Verse 24. It says, Let us consider one another to provoke one another unto love and to good works. Stir up. Yeah. Let us consider one another how we can stir up love and good works in each other. Do you know what that means? That means encourage each other. We're supposed to be encouraging each other. Encouraging each other towards love. Encouraging each other towards good works. And then in verse 25 it says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. And you know there's so many things that we can talk about. Not forsaking the assembly means not showing up for church. Not showing up for church. Scripture says don't do that. If you're going to be fruitful, you've got to show up for church. But then not forsaking the assembly is also when people, they fall out with other people because they haven't been kindly affection towards them and they leave church. That's not good either. Not forsaking the assembly of, your, of yourselves together. And if God has called you to some place, that's where you need to be. You need to be there and be all there. He says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. And then he said, this all the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, when we've been talking about, on Sunday nights, we've been talking about the times of the signs. Used to be the signs of the times, and now we're in the times of the signs, because the signs are all around us. And we see the signs are all around us, and we can identify them. And he says, when you see those things happen, and he says, we should be meeting all the more, not all the less. That's a sign of fruitfulness, that we're being fruitful in the things of God. And finally, look with me in Psalm 133. Psalm 133. says here behold how good and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity many of you know it's good and it's pleasant when there's peace in the house when there's harmony in the house when there's unity in the house well you know how that works be kindly affectioned one to another and you'll have peace in the house you'll have unity in the house how good and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity it is like the precious ointment Upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. As the Jew of Hermon, as the Jew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commands the blessing, even life forevermore. What God is actually speaking about here is that when the brethren dwell together in unity, there's an anointing comes with it. And that anointing flows down from the head and it flows down onto the beard and down onto the garments. In other words, down onto every single part of the body. And when that anointing f- begins to flow down, it's, the scripture says, that's where God commands the blessing. That's where he commands the blessing. That's where we want to be. We want to live in a place of unity. But you know what? That unity is us growing in our fruitfulness. And you see, one of the things that we need to learn to do as believers is Jesus said that he has called us, that he has ordained us, that we should go and bear fruit. Not even does he say fruit, he actually says much fruit. He says much fruit. 
And we've got to look at our lives and ask ourselves, are we being fruitful? And these are some of the areas that we need to be fruitful in. We need to be fruitful in our thoughts. Are we still thinking that all negative stuff? Are we still thinking with that you know, low self-esteem? Are we still thinking um, you know, that we can't and that we shouldn't and that we couldn't? Or are we actually renewing our minds with the Word of God? Have we cleaned up our speech? Have we cleaned up our actions? Are our actions changing? Um, when, we, when God has gifted us in certain arenas, do we see the gifts not as something for me, but this is something that I get to bless other people with? Are we kindly affectioned one to another? Are we meeting all the more as the day approaches? Are we encouraging each other? Are we stirring each other up towards love and good deeds? These are all fruitfulness, growing in the things of God. Amen. And we need to examine ourselves and see where we're at. Many of you here want to bear fruit. We want to be fruitful in the kingdom, don't we? Because when we start to produce that fruit and when we start to get that, that uh, unity going in the church, God says he's going to send his blessing. He's going to send his anointing. And that's where he's going to command the blessing. Amen. Hallelujah. Stand to our feet and we'll close with a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, we just want to thank you and praise you, Lord God, that you are a good and a faithful God. Lord, we thank you and praise you, Lord God, that we have been called to fruitfulness. Lord, the scripture says you have chosen us for fruitfulness. And Lord, you have a plan and you have a purpose for our lives. And we just pray, Father God, just that the word that was spoken tonight will somehow minister to our hearts and to our spirits. Lord God, that we will begin to take these things on board. Lord God, that we will begin to think about things that are true, that are noble, that are trustworthy and praiseworthy, and things that are of a good report, and things that are honest, and things that are pure, that we'll begin to renew our minds with these things. Put off that negative programming and begin to produce fruit in the things of God. Lord God, we'll begin to clean up the way we talk, the way we act, the Lord, the way we speak to other people. Lord God, that we will be kindly affection towards them. That we would realize, Father God, that we are members of the same body. That we're meant to be encouraging each other. That we're meant to be building each other up. That we're meant to be exercising our gifts, Father, to, to the help and the benefit of other people. And Lord God, that we will truly begin to flow in unity together. And as we flow in that unity, Father God, that the blessing of God will come down. That the anointing of God would come down, Father. And Lord God, that we will be transformed into another people. Lord, that's our prayer. That's our heart, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God.